Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. We've got lots to talk about, so let's get to it. We've got our Counterpoint guys, John Mraz, director of uh, War Room. Or Am I supposed to put in liberal? Are you still saying that? Liberal War Room? Oh, the former liberal former, one. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know like if they have the one anymore. One. <laughs> well, whatever the war room's doing oh, now is doing a, a really war, crappy There's a war room job. back there. <laughs> and Bill Hutchinson, who you can, uh, of course, well, former journalist and now journalism professor over at Seneca. Hello, hello. Hey there. All right, let's uh, talk about what happened today in Ottawa, which was just an absolute uh, embarrassment. But the Liberal-Controlled Justice Committee... Um, you know, throwing around words like witch hunt, fishing expedition. Um, you know, this is the kind of story I think they would love to be able to put to bed saying it's fake news. But of course they can't because it's uh, Robert Fife's story. But, you know, th- there's no question um, this is a farce because, of course, they are not allowing the three main witnesses who need to be heard speak. Not Jody Wilson, not Jerry Butts or Katie Telford. This is uh, Lisa Raitt, who, of course, was at that Justice Committee. And here's what she's saying. Her reputation has been dragged through the mud, the liberal mud, for the last two weeks. And quite frankly, I want to hear from her so she can clear her name. That's what we need to happen, John. Is she going to talk? That, uh, that is I, really the only thing that needs to happen. I don't, I don't even know where to start here. I, I do know I talked to one of, the, uh, one of the great storied female MPs from the 70s and 80s the other day. I called her the morning. I said, what do you think? She said, John Mraz. I I'm not going to use her name. She'd hate me for it. If I did, she said, John Mraz, back when I was strong in caucus, they used to call me a bitch. Mm-hmm. Today, they'd call me difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's start there. Number two. Um, I think that uh, this is a, a lily pad to lily pad story. And first of all, she well, what does that, that mean? Like most people don't know what a lily pad to lily like. What so, is so first of all, of course, nobody knows this is happening. And then all of a sudden, she's sent over to Veterans Affairs. By the way, somebody rightfully pointed out on Twitter today: How is that a punishment file? The veterans probably shouldn't feel too good about that. And there are four veterans, by the way, sitting on the liberal bench, MPs, and one of them's in cabinet right now who should probably have said something about that by now. Uh, She left, and remember, she wrote a letter. If we all look at that letter again today, it basically suggests that she felt that her job had suffered interference, undue and possibly unethical. So then we come to last week. Fife breaks the story. Uh, you're right. He is a great Canadian journalist. Uh, I don't work for the Globe, etc., but I say it nonetheless. And this is a big story. It's very complicated. But let's move back a little bit. Why wouldn't she talk? Why wouldn't she talk only under threats and duress? Could she not be talking at this point? She does quit. Trudeau says that he's surprised. He changes his story within 48 hours. We had conversations in October. She should have come to us by today. So, yes, they don't have a war room. They need a war room. I hope she speaks. And I do know this. Justin Trudeau was elected by principally a female electorate, and he triumphalized 
uh, coming to terms with natives after decades of our not coming to the table and dealing with them right. She personifies both. I cannot imagine lousier tactics. If I was going to give a course in how not to run a war room, I would point to everything that this liberal has got, government has done in the last five days. Let's hope she talks. And I, and I have yet to hear anybody. I spoke to a former constitutional lawyer, uh, uh, Emeritus, and a former Supreme Court justice in the last five days. Nobody seems to know what the law is, but there is one thing for sure. If the Trudeau government watching Trump's interference with his attorney general through the Mueller no report. No one should be watching that. They should be watching what's going on in their own no, no, damn country. No, but, but, but like, like in just basic political terms, interfering with your attorney general is exactly even Donald Trump has had to back off on firing Mueller and firing his AGs. These guys aren't even watching the news. Right. So let me, t- you know, I'm beginning to think that they think they can wait this out, that if they just keep Mr. Trudeau on the road, Bill, with 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 not the, the Ottawa cabal who do know what questions that need to be asked, they're going to keep him out there and just praying that, that the media gets bored of this story and moves on. That ain't happening. Well, no. well you know, it might because he's had such a, a really good run with the media, but I'm, I don't know if they can get away with that this time. They shouldn't be. I'm not sure who's done more shoveling in the last few days, me with the snow in my driveway or the prime minister with whatever he's shoveling. Um, his statements are, are just ridiculous for him to say that, uh, well, she should have come to me. Well, and, let me and, play it. Okay. I'll let me play it. I'll okay. play it and then you react to it. Do we have that one? There we go. If she felt that she had received pressure, uh, it was her obligation, her responsibility to come uh, to talk to me, and she did not do that in the fall. And uh, she continued to choose to serve uh, in this government as Veterans Affairs Minister when I made a cabinet shuffle. This guy can't figure out his talking points. They just changed nuance just enough that, uh, you know, he's going to dig himself into a bigger problem. Yeah, if members of the PMO, not necessarily the Prime Minister himself, if members of the PMO, senior staff, approached her and said, hey, here's what we want you to do, then that's putting pressure on her. And he may not have spoken to her, but how is she going to go to the prime minister and say, hey, you know what the guy that you said speaks on your behalf just told me to do? And for him to say, I told her it was her decision. Yeah, there's ways of saying that. Imagine a husband being told by his wife, hey, if you, don't, if you want to go out drinking with your buddies and not go for dinner with my, with my mother... It's your decision. It's the same sort of thing. You well, can put pressure on. But the with follow-up that. question then in that scrum bill oh, should be. It should, have been. it should be okay. As the prime minister, do you not have a concern that she didn't come to you? Wouldn't you want that investigated to find out why this absolutely, woman? Absolutely, absolutely. And the, the justice committee today was just a, a, an embarrassment for what they what they did. Oh yeah, we don't want to talk to her. We don't want to talk to anybody in the PMO. We just want to talk to these people who've been. Vetted ahead of time, it's ridiculous. We need a special prosecutor here, the way they have in the states, who can actually call witnesses and and do something with it. Not the ethics commissioner is going to look at it, but his report won't come out till after the election, so they, that keeps it off the front pages. Oh, the ethics commissioner is looking into it. Don't worry about it; uh, is is being taken care of. And the public, they're counting on the public not taking this. Uh, not paying enough attention to this and knowing the details. I know a lot of people are, but there's an awful lot of people who have very short memories or they'll say, well, it's really not that big a deal. They, no, they, they will blow it, it off. It will be when the Mark Norman case falls apart, if that case falls apart. Again, I mean, that's a case that, that that's complicated. Yeah, it is. And for but, the public, it's too complicated for them to get into the details. Sure, but if it gets thrown in court, they'll, they'll start understanding but that's it what quicker. the liberals are counting on, is yeah. that it's too complicated for people to yeah. really dig into it. First of all, Let's go back to Nixon. It's not the crime, it's the cover-up. Always. Number two, mm-hmm. let's unpack our esteemed Prime Minister's statement. 
I spoke to her in the fall about this issue. If she felt she was pressured, she should have told me that. All right, Justin. Let's say she had come to you in October. Oh, that's right. You were in the meetings. So you would have known if she was pressured or not. And if you're telling me that Gerald Butts and the PCO and all the people in the meetings between the AG's office and the prime minister's office, that he didn't know that there was pressure or allegations of pressure and that she never mentioned it, that is an impossible conceit. That means you're a prime minister that is literally not making any decisions. Everybody around you is. They're not even filling it. Let me finish my conceit here. So... All right, Justin, let's say she'd come to you in October and said, I felt pressured as the attorney general, which means I'm the lawyer for the Canadian people. By the way, not for you, Justin. You can afford your own lawyers. And so I felt pressured. Oh, of course he wouldn't have fired her. Of course he would have backed her up. Of course he would have said, you're absolutely right, and I will chastise and reprimand and possibly even fire these people who unethically... I can't even believe that talking point came out. They have no war room. I continue to be puzzled. <laughs> we all do. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio. Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions going head to head. With Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio. Okay, we got John Mraz and Bill Hutchison phasing off here for this counterpoint. Uh, today, there was other news, apparently. Uh, Ontario's finance minister says $1 billion uh, in higher sales and income tax revenue have pushed the province's deficit down to $13.5 billion. But Vic Fidelli also warning, tough times are ahead. But again, I'm not sure we even know the numbers, Bill. Um, so I'm not really sure how accurate this is, but we are going into the R word recession, and they are still determined to balance the books coming up in the next financial, uh, um, I guess, what, what's it called? The uh, budget in the spring. They've got a, a tough road ahead. Uh, they've got to bring that deficit down as quickly as possible without damaging the economy. Because when we do go into recession and we're 10 years past the last one, it's usually eight or nine years mm-hmm. in between. When we do go into that, government revenues will drop by about 6%, about $10 billion. So you've lost that revenue already. And social costs always go up during a recession, never mind trying to stimulate the economy. So the sooner you can get that that deficit down, down a billion dollars because of, of greater uh, income tax and, and sales tax, that's, that's good news. Hopefully the, budget, the the deficit is a bit lower than that. Uh, everyone says they're inflating it to, to try and make it look good when they when they actually bring it down. If it is a couple billion dollars, billion, thirteen billion, it's, it's still, still ridiculous. Too much, like, and we've yeah. got to bring it down as quickly as possible again without damaging the economy. And they've done the right thing so far. Right. Here's the thing, though, John. Uh, you know, people don't like stuff being taken away, and when you listen to the stories as we're hearing with the autism issue, with the overhaul, and that people are really hurting. And the, the the finance minister basically today is saying, yeah, we got the deficit down a little bit, but but don't ask for more because we're going into tough times. First of all, why are we going into recession? Everyone's talking. Well, well, our GDP because has slowed like two periods in a time. <laughs> like, well, the United States we are hiring. We are hiring. Right yeah, they're they're yes. carrying us. They're yeah. carrying us right now, but even they could flatten out. Uh, the The forecast uh, for the GDP growth is less than two percent, and with the carbon tax, it's actually less than one and a half percent. So it's actually on the way down, and we actually were less than uh, we were minus two percent. Uh, um, sorry, minus point two percent in the last quarter. So I, I was our economy is our economy is limping along at this our point. Foreign investment has pulled out. Um, the government, the jobs that are being created are government jobs. They are not private sector jobs. Okay, but, but you guys do understand the problem with this whole equation, and I set you up a bit here. So we're going to recession, but we're receiving more taxes than ever. 
at the moment. At the moment. At the moment. Our economy is slowing down. Is and there a certain age, Bill, have you hit it where you just worry about every next month and well, you just well, when, predict yeah. doom? It happened when I became a parent. <laughs> that was a long time ago. It happened ago. when my father Look, lost everything in the recession of 81. Right. I hope we're not going <laughs> you know? to a recession. No. Uh, I, I, I don't understand. I mean, I think that there are two rules. If I wanted to talk about uh, Doug Ford, who, uh, of course, I was terrified uh, when he was taking over. And as you have pointed out mercilessly to me, Bill, I have been impressed by many of the moves there. There are two. I'm just third, speaking truth to power. Two third. <laughs> if I have power, we're in real trouble. Uh, and there are two third rails in provincial politics, and Doug has just touched both of them, and I don't understand why. One is what people want out of our provincial government is a well-funded education system. Parents, right? And he's just made some cuts, and that is a terrible. He's decision. made any cuts to education. What did he cut in education? What well, did he cut? Well, They're it, looking at a whole bunch of things. I mean, I guess everyone just thought that they were pretending when they said, look, we got to fix this. Like, the, either people want this fixed or they don't, but people are going to have to make a decision. I mean, and, the, and there are ways of reallocating the, the, the funding in, in education so that you can actually reduce your spending. And then I will just continue <laughs> because he has talked about making cuts in education, but that was terrific spun sugar, you two. And then, of course, you have the leaked documents about uh, arguably privatizing health care. I don't care how much money you make in this province. You're not going to vote for any pro- uh, any leader. Our health care system is a mess, and, and most people know that. The wait times are way well, too long. It needs to be fixed. No, no, like there are ways, no not privatize the whole thing. There are ways of, of streamlining and make it more efficient so that we actually get our bang for our buck instead of wasting money. You know, at your age, they'll protest too much. You're older than him. <laughs> uh, no, Ontario, bad. meanwhile. He's, Ontario, he's meanwhile. He's a child by comparison. <laughs> Ontario, meanwhile. And I thought this was an interesting... Well, emotionally, ha- anyway. Emotionally. Can I talk? I, uh, Ontario, meanwhile, is considering... It's like it's her show. Yeah, fair <laughs> Ontario is considering uh, having large industrial companies pay for pollution if they exceed emission standards that will establish uh, will be established in the province. And I, I can swear that this is a carbon price. Is this not a carbon tax? I shot tax? coffee out my nose. Oh, my God. The conservatives actually have a carbon Well, policy. no, but, I mean. Wait a second. <laughs> we weren't Wait supposed to. Wait a second. <laughs> let's, let's, let's examine this. It sounded like First a tax all, to me. Well, it sounded like under, a tax to me. Under cap and trade, yeah. the large industrial uh, emitters were actually going to get uh, a buy under cap and trade. So if, if you're actually going to make them pay, then that's the, the right way to go about Bill, it. I just and hear, the I'll... money is not going away to second. The money is not going into general revenue, which is like a tax. It's going into a fund, which will help finance a new technology that will eventually reduce our, our greenhouse gas emissions. So it's not the same the as a carbon price. Print, there you go. If, you're, if you're putting the, the, the carbon pricing on the large industrial emitters, that's one thing. When you're stopping it on, on you and me for heating our homes and calling us polluters uh, and making us pay for heating our homes in Canada in winter, then that's not fair. Yeah. This by, is by the way, you're not okay <laughs> with a carbon tax, but you're so okay with a specific, a specific tax that yes, will you target be directed the, you target the industries to friends that are emitting of the government the who engineer and build solutions to the problem. That I'm okay their taxing SNC, okay? Because apparently they're doing Look, okay. Bill, in as long as you're okay with some sort of carbon tax, I mean, I think you're coming along now. You're finally finding your hurt. I didn't say it was a carbon tax. I said there's a price on and carbon emissions because they are, are emitting too much, and you reduce those those amounts. It doesn't mean that you're paying extra money at the, at the, uh, the pump to, to be able to drive your car back and forth to work. It means you're not paying extra taxes uh, to heat your home in the middle of winter. I'm not being penalized for being Canadian. 
Canadians are going after the people who are actually putting out the, the carbon. You this know, the Conservatives federally need a new spin doctor, a new worm director, and so I so am going to send your <laughs> CV shoveling a lot this right week. down the lane. I'm very good at shoveling Let's this Let's spin week. this one. This headline just cr- is crazy. Apple and Google under fire, um, you know, with a Democrat uh, senator asking them to immediately stop offering a Saudi government app that allows men in Saudi Arabia to track and control the movement of women. Nice, eh? Okay, so I have an 11-year-old son. And mm. I, oh, he's agree- got the app? I agreed. Like, to do- <laughs> like what, what are you saying? <laughs> I agreed, if I could finish my sentence, I agreed to get him a phone one. last year against his mother's wishes, but I said the reason that he would have a phone is that I want to know where he is because he takes public transit by himself home from school, etc. Yeah. So I went to this, I think it's called Google Maps, and on his phone, mm. I can track his location through Google Maps, wherever he is, as he dawdles, yeah, when he the says, time he's 12, the subway's broken, and I can off. identify that my son, Luca, <laughs> and I hope you're listening, Luca, is at the comic book store, buying a slushie at 7-Eleven, and I'm okay with that, because that's what 11-year-old boys are supposed to do. Yeah, parents okay. used to but trust their kids. If Google Maps, which is a GAPS tracking system that exists for free, what's the story here? You mean that there's a Saudi app... That emulates Google. Oh, so you give no, your wife a phone. No. Now you can track her. No, it's not just tracking. It's a her. Sharia app. It's all, and we're we're getting sidetracked on on the app because the app, yeah, the app is bad, but. The the fundamental here is that men in Saudi Arabia still control what women can do, yep. whether they Get can travel out. or whether they... It's like the Prime Minister of Canada. <laughs> really? I'm not sure. That sounded like sarcasm. I'm not really familiar with is that, that form of that humor. young woman ran for like, her life to the wit of the week, as Shakespeare would say. And they can't drive? We're only halfway through the week. Does that make it about halfway? Without their relatives? quiet? Oh, there are allies. That's right. We sell the military equipment. We need to put you in a playground and tie you up. That was a Harper deal, right? Is this mic still on? Are we done? Hold on. This thing is like wired out of control. Anyway, we will be done. Bill, thank you. (laughs) My pleasure. John Raz, thank you. Ico, Ico. There you go. Uh, fun, always fun. John Raz and Bill Hutchison uh, joining us. I'm not even sure if we discussed the last topic. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know if it made sense. Global News Radio. You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.